Hello, and welcome to the Tuesday Night Music Show with uh, superstar DJs, Hobby Darkstar, and swinging Pastor Jay Brennan from Temecula, California. Mm. What up? What's going on? Not a whole lot. Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. It's 85 degrees here today. A little warm. You know? Yeah, well, we didn't have that Hair's problem getting- here. No, it's going to be 60 and rainy on Friday, but 87, 88 tomorrow. It's like, come on, guys. It's, it's only March 1st. It's California break. problems. Yeah. California. In the meantime, I'm getting yelled at for spray painting in the house because I can't do it outside <clears throat> because it's 31 degrees. You know, I, I did a video today uh, where I was talking about, actually, a video I did yesterday, talking about kind of my mixing style. And it's not... Mm-hmm. Beat mix, start at this BPM, go to this BPM. I don't do that. We've talked about that before. Um, I kind of finally figured out how to explain it. I thought maybe, perhaps, I don't know. You have to watch the video and tell me if you understand what I'm talking about. But I gave an example of a mix that I do. Where mm-hmm. I, I do like three dumb songs for like family hour that work very well. I'm doing, mm-hmm. I call it my twist and shout mix. I do... Chubby Checkers, The Twist, and then I go to Beatles, Twist and Shout, and then I go to Oda Stay in the Nights from Animal House Shout, uh, you know, so it's that whole thing. Right. It's always been incredibly effective. Yeah. And obviously, the keys aren't the same. The right. BPMs are nowhere near each other. Nope. But I'm right. able to mix it in a way <clears throat> that works well using, uh, you know, little little breaks in songs or the outro of songs and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. where the continuity stays i also Mm -hmm. talked about how in the old days when i first started doing this with mobiles and records and mostly 45s and really terrible turntables by the way that we couldn't really rely a lot on having a fantastic mix you know you don't want dead air of course but you didn't have this great mix so what you had to do is rely on great songs Mm -hmm. and you said to play progressively better songs in a set to keep people's attention which reflects how i dj today with all of the tools that i have available to me i still use those techniques because i find them effective so the reason i'm bringing all this up is because i got to thinking and i thought it'd be an interesting topic especially with jay here how perhaps if you start out with all these great tools, could it possibly hinder you as a DJ simply because you never had to make do and you never had to work something out for yourself. Everything's kind of there and easy. Would it be easier to start out as a DJ with some limitations with some things that throttle you a little bit where you have to kind of find some solutions to problems and overcome them would, would, would that be better training as somebody who wanted to make a career as a dj or should they just be starting out with the best of the best and go with it does that make any sense it totally makes sense it does it reminds me of my apprenticeship days you know as a machinist and i remember my master that was you know because uh, i was just an apprentice 
And he actually made me, I wasn't allowed to use, you know, like the milling machines or the lathes. He said, first, you have to learn to make it by hand with hand tools. Then I'll let you. And I was like, hmm, why would I bother doing that? But no, I mean, that was my first thought. Your first thought. Yeah, right. Why would you but do that? He was, he was right. Mm-hmm. He was right in that instance. So. Sure. No, it makes complete sense. And I, I'm thinking Jay from the music world is is the guitar guy. And I mean, think about a guy who starts off with all this great equipment and this awesome guitar versus the guy who starts out with the guitar with a slightly not so great neck and maybe it doesn't tune yeah. so well. Maybe that guy who really wants it really bad plays on that guitar for a long time and gets really good at it, like really mm-hmm. good at it on this crap guitar that's not set up very well. And then steps mm-hmm. into a really cool guitar and he just just runs with it. It's right. nothing to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's that litmus test of how much are you willing to suffer? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like because as you no, were saying it, <laughs> I couldn't help but think, even before Howie said anything, you know, if I was becoming a contractor, do I really need to build my first house with hand tools when I have power tools? Yeah. No. Because it's right. it's not gonna make sense down the road as a dj when i first got on serato and had a laptop and could find songs instantaneously my big fear before i got there was <coughs> he's choking up just he's, thinking about it it's, it's he's, he's having he's having flashbacks thinking of his fear <laughs> it's, it's like a joke and i'm probably making him choke more by saying that seriously Excuse me, everyone. Um, and I thought it would it would almost lessen the skill set because you had to work. <laughs> <laughs> See, he can't even think about it. It's traumatizing. It's PTSD. This is what it looks like. I think it's cilantro. Um, <laughs> it could be all those crazy shakes you do. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. We can talk about something else if it's that upsetting. No, I'm good. Eyes are watery, but it's, I'm good. Um, and it was the exact opposite because I knew where everything was. I'm like, well, what do I do now? I think if you've got tools that make your job easier, you should learn them, but I think you should have a fallback. But with DJing, you can't generally get a new DJ and say, learn on virtual, but next week we're going to go over CDs. Because right. the chances are they're never going to see a CD. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can see Howie's example of, hey, Mm -hmm. just in case the power goes out of the job, you're going to have to use this handsaw. Or, you know, you have a nail gun, but I'd like Mm -hmm. you to take these 10 nails and nail them in, you know, a couple tries straight. I think those are good litmus tests, and I think they're good underlying talent tests. But when it comes to DJing, it's such a different world now with technology. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, I found this. Yeah. You know, this is from July of 2000. Uh Uh-huh. And going through like the different lights and the DJ gear, and it's all CD, it's all CD, dual CD players. Sure. sure. You know, and you look at that and go, wow, we really had to work for this stuff, uh-huh. you know, and it was a different realm. But now with the technology as it is, you know, I think as we get older, we get that like these young whippersnappers don't know what it was like. Well, you could say that about me in 96, because I didn't know what it was like to crate dig for albums, I had to do it for CDs. I didn't have to carry Technique 1200s around. Am I not a good DJ because I didn't have the original stuff? 
no, no. But it's not, no, not no, no, no. you can't be a good DJ if you don't do this. No, no, no. But I'm saying like not a good DJ on the level of talent or quality, but no, 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 like, no, no. That's part of the club I'm... of, you know, you weren't there. Like oh. because of the Rev 7 in Vegas this past week, that was a big topic of like I started with turntables. Why well, I, you know, I didn't mean it like that. I what, what I meant to say was kind of what Howie said. It, it, and I'm not suggesting if you didn't do, I'm, I, I would never be that guy. You know me. I'm not that guy. You, you don't have right. to. No, you're not. And I, and I wasn't even yeah. saying that, that right. you would be that guy or that I would be that guy. But I think mm-hmm. when you say, should you have some handicap? Here, I'll give you an example. If you hit the space bar in Serato, it wipes out the two waveforms. If I was turning a DJ now with a laptop, I would hit the space bar. And say, okay, instead of seeing when the songs are matched by the lines on the screen, do it with your ear. Sure. And, and I think you can train that and give them that sense. It's, you know, you and I have talked about taking two of the same song and mixing them. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like such a stupid thing till you do it. So I, I, I don't think you need obstacles as much as maybe where the pitfalls can come in as a DJ, which are serato face you get stuck watching waveforms or you don't (laughs) know like when you were talking about those bangers i'm like wow playing those bangers so early in the night that's really intriguing like i think of shout as a last song of the night but i also heard you say i find good spots to mix it i'd almost open with shout and then at that breakdown you know that way i almost and i'm thinking in my head that'd be a great spot to bring in like twist and shout by the beatles and almost run the bpms down well it's interesting and then start you, over and come up it's interesting you say that because hmm. uh, in, in the video and i don't know if i mentioned this wrong if i if i'm repeating myself forgive me uh i was talking about the mix and then you know people wanted me to put that mix like i did it on mix cloud that's what they wanted me to do you know mm-hmm in the comment section. So today in my video, I talked about why I don't want to put it on Mixcloud. The reason I don't want to put it on Mixcloud is because I don't want you to be me. I don't want you to do it the way I did it. What mm-hmm. I would like you to do is take those three songs, if it's interesting enough to you, and figure out how to put them together in your way. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it would be more serving as somebody here on YouTube trying to help people, then they just force feed it or, or, or spoon feed it to people. Then they mm-hmm. all do it exactly like I do it and they've learned nothing except a cool set they can play. Now, take those three tracks and figure out how you'd like to put them together. Exactly what you're saying, Jay. Exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah, figure out how it's going to work wrong. in front of your audience. Make it your own. Yeah. Yeah. And, like Jay, Jay wants to start with a different song. He likes those three songs, but he sure. has a different and I, it's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's, and, and maybe, maybe he wants to do a different, because there are like a few different versions of Chubby Checker's Twist. Mm-hmm. One, I think, has a killer backbeat, so I use it. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there are alternate versions of the Beatles Twist and Shout, but I know the Isley I don't think so. I know the Isley Brothers do it. And that mm-hmm. one's popular. So yeah. you could do that one instead. And, and, you know, I talked about doing Shout by Oldest Day in the Nights. That's a good version, though. Most people yeah. run to the Isley Brothers. Even I do. Right. But I, mean, I do am I like wrong the about <laughs> Yeah. But you, you could replace that, too. I'm just telling you what I find effective. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... Yeah. I mean, you could do something completely different. All I'm saying is... And they're going to mix different. Right. Because they got different intros and stuff. 
Mm -hmm. Make it yours instead of me just giving it to you. And and I I think what I was thinking about uh, more than anything else with this, thinking about mixing the way I did out of necessity at the time, instead of relying on the beat mix to kind of trick people into sticking around, I had to progressively just play better songs. I had to really have a, a very keen sense of what was going to work well for my audience. And, mm-hmm. and, and play those songs accordingly. I could, and back then I wasn't starting off with my best song. I was starting off with my worst song and holding my stuff back. Like, you know, now I do it different. Like you're talking about, I start with my best song and challenge myself. It's fun, but mm-hmm. you guys. Okay. So a little, it's not even a sidetrack. It's, it's a, it's a, a bridge into the next thing. Part of this. I want to talk about uh, Howie. Yes, sir. You got a book that you were showing us off camera that looks (laughs) really familiar. Very familiar. Yes. I heard you talking about a book that you had lent to Jay and and you mentioned it several times. And this came the other day. Yeah. But what was shocking to me is uh, the title is um, last night, a DJ saved my life. And the subtitle is The History of the Disc Jockey. Now, look at it sideways. It's 606 pages. I was I was like a little taken back and a little intimidated. And I thumbed through a little and I'm like, yeah, this this is something I could read. I mean, then maybe I can catch, you know, keep up with you and Jay. Well, I loaned Jay the book 14 years ago, and I know he'll give it back when he's done with it. It's a but. It's a lot of pages. It's a lot of pages. It is. And, and I don't want to like give you a lot of spoilers, Howie. Yeah, don't tell me how it ends. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to give you a lot of spoilers here. <laughs> but there are there are sections in there where they're talking about these South Bronx DJs mm-hmm. and how they were just making things work. Yeah, they yes. didn't have <clears throat> tools, mm-hmm. but they had an idea of what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they just made it work with whatever was available to them exactly plugging into light poles and all that yeah they they were literally i would love to i would love to revisit that though i would love to have been a fly in the wall to see guys have to that weighed 80 pounds wet carrying (laughs) 150 pounds of gear on their back running you know forks into electrical poles and running radio shack extension cords for 300 feet yeah and then getting so excited to drop a beat with nothing in front of them but air and it's like i i actually saw it firsthand in washington square park you know when i had arrived earlier for my gig at max's kansas city your favorite name of a club ever Ever. but i stopped by and they were so mellow and everybody was having such a good time but they had quite the posse you know, it was like eight guys that had each guy carried something and the police were cool because they would let them take that cover plate off. And it wasn't like every time they tapped in behind the cover plate, they had an outlet that they had put there because they would be there easier. Every, they were there every weekend. Yeah. And the police were like, everybody's cool. We're not going to break this up. Yeah, it's. I, I don't think people, the more I think about it, Brian, I, I don't think it's only mixing those songs, but there's a certain magic. I was talking with Mike Marquez last week about the, 
you would have actually been loved to have been on this conversation. It was all about Larry Levan and David Mancuso and the mm -hmm. vibe. And it's not about the mix. And just here's a good example. Just very simple. If you're a DJ who traditionally has gotten in this late in the game or new to it, you're probably playing all music you're buying online. That's perfect for four beat. Just mm -hmm. take a couple of random disco tracks and then sit there and chase mm. the drums. Because <laughs> yeah, right. even for me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I didn't start with 4-4. Four, four, so I was like, okay, well, this I'm going to have to slam this. This is 123. This is 120. But I can't possibly match with the, you know, the old CDJ buttons that would go. It's like, oh, no, I missed it. Right. You know, so maybe that's something to consider. Well, it's, today, it's, just it's, mix live music. Just try mixing, you know, the famous, what is it, Cool cool and the Gang Ladies Night starts at 109, ends at 120. Mm -hmm. just keeps getting more excited, and all of a sudden you're like, how do we get to 120 so fast, you know? The, the interesting thing uh, to me is that, it, it, not hate on anybody here. Don't don't take this the wrong way. I'm not not suggesting you should have to do this or you should act like this or or think like this but on social media when that new pioneer controller the whatever the hell it's called the rev seven. dropped rev seven dropped mm -hmm. everybody lost their damn minds no they like you don't know and, like and you don't know yeah yeah and 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 the the pre-orders were out, out just out of this world on the stuff yep yeah there, there's is. so much focus on the equipment i i can remember a time Okay, I can remember a time when we would get excited about a record. Yeah. Oh, no. we oh. got to have this record. Mm -hmm. we, this that was record, the topic last week. Was no one here is talking about music? It's all about gear. I, if I had this record, I could mix this record in with this. What I mixed it on—that's my problem. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but it at the time, when that, didn't you all have the same gear? Wasn't it all like we all have these Technic twelve hundred turntables? No, a mixer. No, we did not all have the same gear, and that's my point. Oh, what was 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 it turntable versus CD, or was it? Well, way, way, way back, it was a record player, but it not wasn't necessarily a Technics twelve hundred. You got to remember <laughs> that right, yeah. there was. It's just like anything else. There's the new Pioneer, whatever you said, thing, right. and there's also some, you know, Wang Chung Behringer thing out there they're right. not the same right uh, and and when it comes to record players you gotta remember man we take uh, the the cd thing it was wonderful for me when i first got it even before i had pitch controls on it or anything else because i knew i could cue by pressing the number and saying okay one track two when i press play it would play on record players what's what was great about 1200s if, if you don't know why that was cool they tracked really nice if you had the right cart and needle on them, but the platter sped up fast. Right. So you could cue a record and you, you could hit the start button and the track or whatever you wanted, even if you were just doing blends, it was probably close to an eighth of a turn or less before it got up to speed. Now, the turntables that I was using most of the time were not like that. They were not quartz drive. Mm -hmm. They were not direct drive. They were belt drive. And it usually took about a revolution and a half to get the record up to speed. Mm -hmm. But I compensated for that big time. I, I had to count it or I had to give it a little push when I spun it. And because that's just what I had. Yeah, I, I was more worried about 
really me. I was more worried about having the right record than I was the right turntables. Yes, it would have been wonderful to have 1200s. Everyone aspired to have them. Yeah. But the records were the important thing. And they really were. What you played them on was secondary. And geez, I think about little things that I did, just dumb things I did to to try to make something cool, like creative, you know? I remember one time I was doing this recurring gig for a fire department. It was a volunteer fire department. They hired me every year. And one year they said, we'd like to have karaoke. And, and they offered to pay, you know, decent amount for it. I'm like, How the hell am I going to do this? I went out and I bought, I think it was like a 12 inch television, like a tube television. And then I bought one of those old tube TV wall hangers. I drilled holes in it and I put a clamp on it and hung it from my trussing system. Oh, and, then, and then I ran a, a, an RCA just video cable, just RCA cable out of the video of this television to a little, my, my DVD player that I had, my first DVD player I had. And I bought some Pioneer, I think they were, Pioneer, maybe they weren't, uh, karaoke DVDs off of like eBay. I paid up for them, but it was a system I built to make this happen. And it worked and they loved it. Just ran some extra mics out of it. It was hokey as hell, but I did it because necessity is some other invention. But at the time, it wasn't hokey. It was unique and different. They hadn't seen it before. No, they were fine with it. They thought it was amazing. I know I had a little I had a little monitor for them to read off of to, you know, and mm-hmm. then the audience could see a thing because it was all videos. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the words did not sync up with the beat. So it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, the audience was just dying laughing because everybody was singing like four beats or three beats behind. It was funny. They, they weren't very good DVDs or maybe my DVD player didn't track audio and video right. I don't know. Even, you know, just dumb things like that. I'm thinking about how cool is that? It's the equivalence. It would be the equivalent of, and this is a terrible thing to even suggest, but it would be the equivalent of all of a sudden you got to play a track. You don't have it. It's vital. You play it and you plug your stupid phone into your mixing board and you play the track off the internet. It's a terrible thing to suggest, but it's the equivalent of that making stuff happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just out of necessity, got to make it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the, and, and the other thing I, I guess I'm thinking about is what I was getting at with all this, this, this monologue I'm doing here is, you know, if somebody really was genuinely interested in DJ and not just gear. Don't you think they would like research it and just put something together to make it happen for them instead of just some would feel like, oh, I have to have this equipment to do it. That's fine. But to me, that just be like the equivalence, Jay, of back in the day, a kid had to have like this hot, like Fender Strat to play guitar. Nothing else was going to do. Right. They had to have the Strat. Well, right. if you really wanted to play guitar that bad, you got the harmony out of the Sears catalog. Yeah. And you could have played right now. And, and that's the famous tale. And by the way, because it, it plays into you, 
you know, people look around and they say, oh, I need this because mm -hmm. with this tool, I can get this outcome. Right. People are really impressed with the guitar playing of Prince. And they're like, look, he's playing an old Fender, probably a 1952 Tele worth $10 million. Mm. Uh, no, he was playing a Honer. Yeah. Telecaster copy. <laughs> so <laughs> lesson for you kids out there. It's never the instrument. It's always the player. Yeah. Eric Clapton on any guitar that I own or you own or Howie owns sounds exactly like Eric Clapton. So does Eddie Van Halen. So does everyone. Because it's the talent and the instrument. But you're right. Everyone wants the easy way out. We, we grew up in a different eras. You know, there, I saw a guitar the other day online that's worth $10,000. I owned one. You know what I paid for it back in the day? I paid $50 for it. Wow. Because back then it was in a pawn shop. Well, right. the New York Dolls, Johnny Thunders played 57, 58, 59, Les Paul Juniors in the TV mm -hmm. Yellow. Mm-hmm. And he probably picked them up in New York City for 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Mm -hmm. You know what I was thinking about? Those Jay? guitars today are worth tens of thousands. Well, okay, Jay, how about, uh, and you probably know more about this than I do, because I can't recall what it's called, but Brian May's guitar, is it called Big Red or something like that? Um, yes, or, or, the red or this Red Special. Red Special. That's it, the Red do you, Special. Do you know yeah. this? Does anybody here know the story on that? 100%. Yeah. Jay, it's, go ahead. It's, it's an old table. He and his father, he didn't have the money to buy a guitar. So he and his father built the Red Special. Yep. The neck is out of a fire mantelpiece. The body's wow. out of an old table. They <laughs> wound the pickups and built them themselves. They did the fretboard. The dots on the fretboard are buttons that his mother shaved down so they would fit as dots on the neck. Oh, it's, it is because he's like, <laughs> I couldn't afford what I wanted, so I built it. And the best part about it is he still plays the Red yes. Special on stage. It's he the one he it. built. Yeah. And by the way, side note, for those of you that don't know this, in case you're wondering how a young Brian May and his father could have pulled this off, Brian May, the most amazing guitar player from Queen, if you want to be technical, when you meet him, you refer to him as doctor. Because <laughs> he has a PhD. Two of them he has. <laughs> Two. One of them, yeah. I believe, is in astrophysics. Astrophysics. And the other is in, I believe, either astronomy or something no. else. Yeah. Yeah. And he, but yeah, he's written two books. <sighs> By the way, if you, meet, if you meet two members from Bad Religion, you can call them both Doctor Two. Mm -hmm. so the lead singer's got his PhD and he teaches out of Berkeley. Yeah, it's side, side facts. But yeah, Brian May took the bull by the horns and said, this is what I want, and we can't afford it, so screw it. I'll make it. I'll make it because it's necessities. <laughs> and he's the invention. only one. There is no other story that I know of in music where someone said, I, I want to be a violinist. I'll make one. I'll make I'm a sure, violin. I'm sure there's a story somewhere. <laughs> but the, the most, the infamous one is that. I mean, nobody created a piano at home. People messed around with things to get sound, but Brian May literally. And his setup has not changed. He plays with I'll a, you, a five cent there, piece. I'll bet you there was a handsaw involved. Well, I would know, assume there was. <laughs> you know, be, be, yeah. Before before you you say that, I'm I'm thinking going back to the DJ. I'm thinking about Grandmaster Flash, how mm. he was doing. Who? Yeah, I don't know. Some guy. Uh, some guy. He uh he wanted he had this thing he called the peekaboo. You ever heard the peekaboo? 
No. He wanted to have a way to listen to a record over here while a record was playing over here. So he tore his mixing board apart and put some toggle switches in it. He called it the peekaboo method, where he could do a little peek in to oh. see what this record was doing while this record was playing. He invented Q. That's brilliant. That's he brilliant. invented Q. Mother, I mean, that is like mother of necessity. Wow. Pre fade listen. That's peekaboo. And well, that's Grandmaster Flash, dude. You, you'll and, understand this. Oh my God. And Howie will understand this. And I think most people, but there is an age cutoff. I'm not, I'm not hating on Gen X, Gen Y, Gen no, Millennial, no. whatever. No, I'm just saying there's, there's a cutoff no. point where you don't understand what I'm saying right now. And that yeah. is we would watch Grandmaster Flash and be mesmerized and appreciative. Mm-hmm. But there is an age group that would go, are you kidding me? He can't touch Qbert. I remember oh, no, being no, no, in a no, no. I disagree. Store. I no, 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 no. disagree. I, no, I, I no, I. This one, I, I think he's I've that got good. A, what's that? I think Flash is that good. But he's not Qbert. Qbert has a certain Flash and like I, performance-wise. I he, he's a really nice guy, but his his style, <laughs> quite frankly, annoys me. I, I can't listen to him for more than three minutes at a time. I want to. No, but I'm saying it's the difference run. between Chuck Berry and Eddie Van Halen. Okay. That's how oh. I view Flash okay. and Qbert. All right. So the point is this. Famously, Robin Trower once said, if you like what I'm doing, don't don't listen to me. Right. Listen to who listen to I, people I like listen to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there is that sense of throwback. If I went to Eric Clapton, Eddie Van, every every Brian May, every mm. every rock guitarist on the planet today owes a debt of gratitude to a man named Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson. I knew Robert Johnson had one album. There's two pictures that are known of him. Mm-hmm. There's a great story of the crossroads where he sold his soul to the devil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's him on guitar singing. That's all we have of that man. But he is credited by every famous rock star, every famous guitar player, every famous band who ever made a dime owes a debt of gratitude to somebody that started the ball rolling. I think of Flash, Cool Herc, Jazzy J, different people as the guys that got this thing started that actually said, look, if I go wiki, 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 it's cool. You're supposed to start somewhere and have people pick up the mantle, the torch and run further. Mm-hmm. Well, Chuck Berry, without Chuck Berry, you don't have the Beatles. Well, well, hold on a second, because I was thinking about that, too. You know, as far as the wiki, wiki thing goes, I don't think they really did the wiki, wiki thing. Wiki, wiki thing was just kind of a, a byproduct of some of the loops they were doing. It wasn't like, I mean, that that was just there because they were trying to do quick mix and sometimes right. the fader would hit and it sounded kind of cool, but it didn't have to be in there. But but I'm saying <laughs> now it's like you have to be an, an aficionado or appreciative of listening to what they did with what they had. And I think that's the point that gets lost in translation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've said this to many, many people who say, look, I can play this, but you didn't write it. You didn't create it. Mm. I could watch a Grandmaster Flash video and spend hours and hours and hours and eventually go to you, hey, hey, Brian, check it out. Look, and show you a routine that Flash does. And you could say, wow, that's the same as him. It took me hours and hours and hours, but all I did was copy it. Exactly. It's like me painting the Mona Lisa. I didn't create the Mona Lisa. I copied it. Well, here, I think here's that's what, yeah. what needs to be understood sometimes. You're, you're right. And here, here's you need a foundation. Here's what I see a lot in, in our 
world today. I see a lot of people looking at some, let's just take Hubert for example, because you brought him up. Right. I see a lot of people looking at Hubert and saying, "Hey, I like what Hubert does. I think I can do it better. So I'm going to emulate what he does, and then I'm going to be even faster than he is." Like that seems to be the the am I hitting the right word here? Aspiration of a lot of DJs. This is the kind of thing that they 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 aspire to do. Or any any artist. I mean, let's face it. We stand on the shoulders of giants here. But don't you think it's more interesting? And maybe it's just me. But I feel like it's more interesting for somebody to say, well, that's pretty cool. But how about if we did this instead? Well, Jay said that in the beginning of the show where he would put he would start with a different song out of your trilogy and build slow. My brain went right to when you said that, I was I like, know. wow, that's eating dessert before dinner for me because, you know, in my 30, 40 minute dance set for the whole night, what I'm trying to accomplish <clears throat> is building to those shout tracks. But I'm like, as you're talking, I'm like, okay, what if I'm Brian? If I'm at Brian, <laughs> I'm blowing him in the first 20 minutes of my gig. Cause I am. Brian's like, here's what you have to play in the beginning. Okay, well, to be honest with you, none of them really match. So if I play Otis Day and the Knights or even Isley Brothers, I can mix out when it gets the wait a minute and it goes a little silent with the audience. Boom, dun, 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 dun. And <clears throat> excuse me, and go right into the Beatles. Sure. Or La Bamba. Sure. And then go into Twist and do, you know, just, but I think that, because we're, yeah. we're programmed to think of programming. I asked that mm. famous question last week to a bunch of DJs. I said, if I could make you the best mixer or the best programmer, which would you be? I was stunned how many young DJs said the best mixer. Right. Yeah, yeah but we had done a thing uh, months ago where we had all picked programming. No, no, no. I know that. and But yeah. that's my point, Howie. Yeah. When I talked to the older 40, 50, 60-year-old DJs, yeah. without fail, they all said programmer. Right. Chris Cox, yeah. programmer. Warren Peace, programmer. Right. Darude, programmer. Dave mm -hmm. Day, I asked Dave Day, Grammy Award winning, right. and without yeah. missing a beat, programmer. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's, and again, I'm not disparaging of age, but I think there's a different mentality when you grow up with cable TV and Netflix and an iPhone in your pocket, it's very difficult to understand what it's like to not have those things because they're just common. The well, technology thinking, of today yeah. for DJs is just common see what what i'm mm -hmm. thinking about and what i'm talking about i think i was a little mis misunderstood here but also i'll put it in 80s music terms for you let's say that i'm listening to duran duran and i'm listening to thompson twins and human league and culture club and all these fantastic Good party yeah all these all these fantastic uh, second british invasion artists that are happening in synth pop right yep and i'm saying to myself Hey, I want to do something just like that. And I started a cover band of those songs or a band that those songs exactly like that or in the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the vein of those acts. Right. And, and you know what? I probably won't do much because that's been done already. However, if I'm, let's say, a different group of dudes and say, hey, let's call ourselves Scritty Politi and drop Perfect Way, which <laughs> yeah. is nothing like any of those songs. Yeah. It's kind of, but not. I mean, they reinvented the whole thing. They weren't like me too, or hey, I'm going to do a better version of Hungry Like the Wolf. That is something completely different. 
Mm-hmm. And I, that I think is, you, can, you oh. could argue level 42 did the same thing. Level 42 did. Yeah. They're their own thing, you know, yeah. geez. And excess was their own thing. I mean, there are the a lot of rock bands out there. Yeah. You know, yeah, Bauhaus, Love and yeah. Rockets. I mean, they, well, yeah, I, that's kind of what I'm getting at, though. I mean, there are there, there's there's a lot of me too guys out there or, hey, sure. I can do it better than you. I like the guys who are like, I'm going to just reinvent the wheel and I'm going to do something no one's ever done before. I'm going to be unique. Now you can be different and suck. There's a lot of that. Yeah. If you can be different and great. Oh my gosh. That's not easy. And and you're never going to know until you try. If you Mm -hmm. stay in that safe zone and you just do the whole me too thing, I'm going to mix. I'm going to do what Cuber does, but better or what Gata does a better or what day by day does or better, whatever, whoever your guy is, you're just another me too. Right. And it's okay to, to, to carry it on and bring it to the next level, but it's so much more interesting to me to just say, I'm going to start from scratch here and do this and get an audience for it. I, I think that is cool. Well, I, I don't know if new DJs and again, it's not an age thing specifically. Yeah. It's just a, when you got in the game, I think there's a generation of newer DJs and the word growth isn't on their, their radar or agenda. Well, you know, it's no, like I used to sit Mm -hmm. there and write down my mixes at gigs when I use CDs, if I had a good night, but I would write them down every night. Cause I'm like, I'm going to re I've got to remember some of these gems and look at it the next day and be like, Oh, or I'd put a star next to it. Like the crowd blew up when I went from, you know, sexy back into this, or I did, yeah, you know, yeah. Celia Cruz into staying alive or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. I did, I try to make mental notes. So I remember this stuff because with CDs, wh- what was I going to do? Put the two CDs next to each other and hope I remembered. Well, you like, know, I had to earn those kind of. Oh, strikes. and Hey, now that you say that, what technology are you using now for when you, have. Oh, I take an, I've got a hundred iPhone photos where I take a photo <laughs> of yeah. the two tracks so I can call them back and say, Oh damn, I forgot. I did those two tracks. Yeah. Guess who adopted that? Me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got him on my phone. <laughs> you have to, but I mean, that's such a great, I, you know, you, where, where you're going with the technology, Brian, and looking at the past a little bit and saying, because we had this, there is ways to je- benefit from it. Now I Shazam everything and allows me to go, wait a second. I used to not really play Sly and the Family Stone, but now I bought, you know, play me a simple song, which is a highly sampled track, it's, but I didn't know the original track. So I, I bought it I, and yeah. now I have it. I, I, that's not what I was. I wasn't suggesting that the old guys are better. Or we had, no, it no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just no, I'm trying I'll, to allude I'll, to how do you use things? You can still better yourself by stepping out of your comfort zone and just like you doing dessert before dinner, because those are bangers that, at, and, and I think most people watching this would agree, the tracks you named are what most of us would consider after cake cutting, well after dinner, bangers at an event, not what? right out of the gate. Like that's ballsy yeah. to do that out of no, the gate. Well, you remember in the 90s <laughs> when you opened every event with Celebration? And I used to hate that because I'm like, where am I going from here? I'm at 125 BPM and I we got are nowhere to run. Sister Sledge. That's where you go from there. But yeah, but you're still <laughs> dropping back a little bit. No, no, no. And I, I had tracks, 
but I hated starting high because I do just what you mentioned that you don't do. I like starting at 100 or 80 or 90 or 110 and climbing. I know you and do, I'm, and most do. That's that's mm -hmm. the general philosophy right. that everyone has now. This mm -hmm. is the rules. This is how you must do it. No, it's not the rules. Way. It's just it's a it for me. I find kinda it helps is. to build anticipation. Kind of is. Most DJs do that. Oh I no, and they and do it high. because it's the right way to do it. But they're also <laughs> looking. You know, <laughs> of course it is. No, it's it's just it's. It, I mean, that's how most people do it, and and it's just. I, I, I'm not suggesting until I all... said it, it, it was like, and it doesn't make it wrong. Now I say it and it's like, well, yeah, of course this is wrong. No, <laughs> it's not wrong. It's what everyone does. And, and that's why it's weird when you do something different. And, and my, my argument was this, and, and, and we're talking about two different things at the same time here. So it's getting a little confusing. I'm talking about if you really love music and you really love DJing and you really love presenting music to people and you're thinking that you have to have the Rev 7 to make this happen, you don't want it that bad. There are other ways you can do this. If you're really passionate about it and you really want to try something, and you, if you have an idea in your head, you're thinking, I want to do this thing, but I can't have a Rev 7 right now because they're on back order, so I guess I can't do this thing. You're a fool because you can do all kinds of neat stuff to make it happen. There's all these like programs mm -hmm. you can do it with. Just right. download the damn thing. If you're that interested, just download the damn thing. If you're just interested in toys, that's fine too. But just understand, you're a toy whore. That's what you are. There, there are other things you well, could be and, doing to make this mix happen that you have in your head. Right. I don't. I don't know that anyone. I think people look at this as candy. And there's this. It is. When I asked everyone last week, I'm like, they're like, yeah, man. What do you think? I'm like, it's cool, but I don't kind of get the hype. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't get the hype. Well, what, what, but I mean, you, you work with Pioneer. I'm like, I know I would do. And I knew about this product a long time ago, but I, st I didn't think it would hit you guys, meaning mobile DJs, the way it has. Like, yeah. what's behind it? Like, dude, it's just cool. And I almost think it's that new mentality of like, oh, iPhone 13, I'm getting it. You have an iPhone 12. Yeah, I know, but the 13's better. Like, there's this new, and it's not toy whore as much as, I got to have the newest, greatest thing. It's like Mac holes. It's the same thing. They got to have the newest iPhone all the time. They got to yeah, have. But they'll the argue why. They can argue why with an iPhone. I could. I'm getting a Mac. I'm getting a 13 Pro Max, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because I need a better camera, and I need a better video camera, and I need more storage on my phone, and That's, I can get it and save four dollars. Like I can, but I can explain the purpose of the purchase. Uh, no, no, no. I, I'm not suggesting. I, no one could explain to... this to me. Everyone's like, "Dude, I just got to have it." I'm like, "Right." So there's so, no particular reason you have to have it. You want it. You don't. You see need an application it. for it, so you want to get it. Right. But correct me if I'm wrong. You're not going to stand in line overnight for it. No, that's what I'm talking about. There you don't appreciate a concert till you have. When you're at ten o'clock in the night, and it's seven o'clock the next morning, yeah. or nine o'clock the next morning, the lady hands you the two tickets to see Aerosmith at the Boston Garden in 1983, and it's February, and you're seeing them in late April. You really appreciate that show because by the time you get there, you remember just how cold it was when you stood on Causeway <laughs> Street overnight versus sitting here on my iPhone for $1,000, a phone for $1,000. Right. And going, oh, oh my goodness, this band's on tour. <laughs> click, 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 click. I'm going. I just I mean, find it disappointing. You know, and, and I. I find it disappointing that Silk Sonic is $200 a ticket at the cheapest price. 
that Bruno Mars Anderson Pock thing. If you guys want the world to hear your music, charge 20 bucks. Be like Pearl Jam. Thank you, Pastor Jay. I appreciate that. It's a good PSA. Mm. I was going to say that I find it disappointing sometimes when I go on my social media feed and I see DJs who I, I really, I know them personally. I I've, I, I know that they, they kind of know what they're doing. I mean, they have successful businesses. They've been doing it for a long time. They can talk the talk with me when we sit down and talk. And they're talking more about new gear than they are about tunes. No one talks music. How many shows have you and I been to where we end up at three in the morning at a bar with 10 other people and it's non-stop music? Never. Uh, I, I beg to differ with you on that. If you and I are doing it, that's one thing. That's my we point. We don't it's normally you. have anybody else. No, people want to talk gear, but that's where you and I and Tom and Carol and Mike and all those guys started showing up. And it was like, oh man, I played this track last week and boom, like <laughs> sharks and bloody water. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I would play this. And I'm like, seriously? Like I, we, the takeover, it was about music. It's always about music. I'm a DJ. I, you know what I'm a DJ for? Not the gear, not the adulation, yeah. not, not the crowd. I'm the DJ because it's the music. I played guitar in my bedroom at 14 and 15. And now I'm playing music in my office, more or less my bedroom, at, in my late 20s. I'm saying it's the same thing. I'm still <laughs> driven by the music. Right. I'm still no, going to skip are. my house if it's mm-hmm. raining and low spark of high hill boys comes on and the windshield wipers catch the beat i will drive to the next state to enjoy that moment because it's a moment that will lock itself in my head for the rest of my life you don't have to love music to be a dj you don't even have to really like music to be a really good dj but my god you should have picked a better career if you're not into music and you're a dj you're doing it for all the wrong reasons and that's fine that's fine, but understand at the root of it, we're expected to deliver a difference when it comes to music. If you're playing the top 200 from Mobile Beat at every gig, you'll get away with it, and no one will ever notice until they see another gig and they see me or Brian or Howie or John or somebody else who gets daring enough to say, I'm going outside of the box. I'm sorry, it's not a big deal, but when I did Little John into Luke Bryan, that was earth-shaking at that event. People, st- the bride came over and said, we had no idea you were that kind of a DJ. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like the kind that just throws the, the whole event upside down and kills it. I'm like, what did you think? Yeah. Like, no, we, we knew you were a good DJ. We didn't know you were that good. Like, because that was so out of the realm of, at the time, five years ago, the possibility or four years ago of making any sense. I like, it. you I just played Little John and Luke Bryan and it worked. Yeah, because I'm a DJ. I can make peanut butter and chocolate taste good. I I own Reese's. I got two things, (laughs) PB&J. DJ PB&J over there. First of all, funniest thing you said all night was, didn't you all just have the same Techniques 1200s and mixing boards back in the day? Yeah, I thought you kids did back then. I love that. I thought you kids did back then. Uh, Second thing I wanted to bring up, and, and again, you know, I'm... I got brain damage, so sometimes I repeat myself, but I was curious if you and I have had the Sergio Mendez conversation. About how amazing he is? Well, we haven't had the Sergio Mendez conversation yet. Okay. I doubt it then. So something that 
really, I mean, well, we've got a few minutes left because we've got a few minutes left. I thought this would be a nice way to end it. He do All My Dreams. That's Sergio Mendez, right? All My Dreams. All My Dreams. It's a Prince song. It's not a Prince song. But there's a Prince song called All My Dreams that oh. sounds a lot like that. I'm, you know, I'm either thinking of him or I'm thinking of like a... The, who was the soap opera guy from... Uh, Freaking um, General Hospital. That's who I think I'm thinking of. Up Where We Belong? No. That's Jennifer Warren's... Jennifer uh, and Bill Medley. Was that? Oh, no, it's Joe Cocker and... Um, Joe Cocker and Jennifer, Jennifer... Not Warren's, but Warren? Uh, what the hell's her name? They, they got me guessing it now. I can't remember her <laughs> She's yeah, Jennifer Warren. Girl. Jennifer Warren. Jennifer Warren. I'll, yeah. Hold on. I'll look it up. It's Jennifer <laughs> Warren. Page 632. Six, um, Diane Warren's the songwriter. That's Diane me. Warren. That's right. it. So Jennifer Warren is the singer. Yeah. Uh, what what I was going to say was, and this kind of inspired me to do the videos. That I yeah, did. I like Sergio Mendez, though. So, right. Um, do you know who DJ Functual is? I don't think so. This guy, he's pretty cool. He he's a YouTuber. He's been around for a long time. He is the authority. I don't on, have YouTube on samples. He's like the sample junkie. This guy's amazing. He's a great DJ. He's in Florida. I've been watching him. He's been around almost as long as I've been around on YouTube. He's an old timer. He's been around. Is he on bath salts? He might be on bath salts. I don't think. Or, I don't, I don't think he is. Could but anyway, so he's been doing this music challenge thing on his personal Facebook page, where he'll say this song versus that song. And and the, the two songs that he suggested were, um, let's see, Jeffrey Osborne on the Oh, Love. does he stand with palm trees behind him? I don't know. Because there's a guy, I think it's Florida, that I've seen do this where he does like mashups. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Oh, different guy then. Okay, anyway, sorry. No, he, this guy's my age or older. He's, he's yeah, no, this guy's uh, like he's, in his he's 40s. legit. Yeah, no, this, this guy's in his 50s. He's very legit. Okay. Um, Anyway, so he does this like one song versus the next song. Some of them are ridiculous, like uh, stuff that you could never like pick your favorite child, like "Sweet Dreams" by the Eurythmics versus "Human League." Don't you want me? Don't make me. Oh, choose. yeah, that's don't that's make not me fair. choose. Yeah, it's not fair. But he he brought up Jeffrey Osborne on the Wings of Love that's versus Sergio Mendez. Never gonna let you go. And I'm like, well, this is easy. It's Sergio Mendez. Yeah, sir. That's a good track. And, and the mm -hmm. reason that, I mean, mm -hmm. I knew this, not only because I've always liked the song, but up until uh, maybe about the last six months, I never knew why I liked the song. And I'm that guy. There's a uh, reason I like music. Yeah. It's the instrumentation or the writer or something, probably. Rick Beato did a video Produced on it? this. No. Yes. You oh, know who Rick okay. Beato is? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, okay. I do. Yeah. Rick Beato, who's, who's a really good musician, he's, he's a producer, he's Big a producer. player. Yeah. He said when he was in... Uh, college, his friend, like a junior in college, his friend said, Hey, I got a gig for us this summer. We got four weeks where we're playing like for local parks in Rochester, New York. I believe it was Rochester, New York. And it's like, Oh, this should be easy. We're just going to play pop songs for like kids, like eight through 12 year olds. So they go to like the first, I guess, rehearsal or whatever, which is the day of the first gig. And, and one of the girls there says, I want you to play the number one song in America right now. It's called Never going to let you do, go, Sergio Mendez. So they listen to the song. I'm like, ah, no problem. They start playing it. And much like the Scritty Pulley Perfect Way, it's got some of the weirdest chord changes in it. Yeah. And he said, this is by far the most complex pop song of all time. 
It doesn't you know, now that you say like all this, I think I've seen the video. Yeah. I've seen the video. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and, and that's what got me thinking about what I like about music. You like, like the complexity of it. I don't like, well, I am not into super complex things, but I like interesting key changes and I like, I like dramatic key changes. Right. I like drama and music. You like, like major to minor stuff. Other people just like one, four, five, just yeah, typical, exactly like every the beat's steady, everything's good. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And you know what? And I'll tell you right now, the songs, just like you, I'm very driven by it should go da 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 da. And it suddenly goes da da da. And you're like, whoa, what was that? That per- right. it piques your interest, and now you start to listen deeper. Because mm-hmm. I, I told Michelle, I'm like, you're not listening deep. What is that supposed to mean? I'm like, well, because you're now listening for the nuances of the song. Like, you ever drive and listen to a song and you really focus on the left channel versus the right? And you suddenly hear things you didn't hear? Like, how many times do you watch a video where they show behind that song and they're at the mixing board and they're playing the 35 things that are going on at once? And you're like, oh, my God, I never noticed that. Well, you know, it's those drastic dramatic chord changes that have influenced my mixing as a DJ. Those are the things I think about. Would you say you're a harmonic mixer? No. Not always. You you played bass, so I know you know enough music. Do you consciously mix? Do you conscious? So you consciously mix like it's a bass? No, not always. Sometimes I break the rules and that's, that's my thing. I don't have rules like that. So sometimes sometimes you're Frank Zappa. But I, most times, exactly. your air supply. I'm doing what's feeling right. I'm doing whatever right. that happens to be. That's what I'm going to do. And I got to wrap this show because my ride's here. Okay. So next week, we're going to try to mix oh, yeah. like we're Captain Beefheart, but we're actually Richard Marks. Exactly. All right. And if for all of you under 80, you can go look up Captain Beefheart. I'm not now. lying to you. Dude's here. I got to go, man. All right. Oh, yeah. He's right there. Hi, Uber driver. well that's what he's doing tonight yep thank you so much for watching guys i really appreciate it thank you guys for rolling with my riffing tonight i think it was a pretty good show it was it was fun i don't think john's gonna fire us this time i don't well my contract isn't up yet well yeah no yeah ira goldblatt my new my new attorney because i fired easy it's quits oh you did okay his best friend though ira goldblatt who's in the same agency it's quits goldblatt He's now representing me, so we got to renegotiate with John. Well, there's money in them, their hills. That's all he said. I was feeling good about the show until he started talking again. He just said there's (laughs) money in them, their hills. I'm sorry I can't stick around for the after party this time, kids, but uh, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week. Stay well.